my spidey senses tingling. Ladies and gentlemen, the Shogunate to Dale's faithful samurai and my wandering drunk Ronin. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 157. Welcome to the show. Uh, Paper Keg, we talk about the books that we're reading as friends. And then we also do a book club that we all read together, separately, in our own homes. And then we'll talk about it. This entire episode is devoted to one book. Lone Wolf and Cub, Assassin's Road. Welcome to the show. Thanks for checking us out. You know, voted week in and week out. Best podcast out of Horsham, PA. Uncontested. But who cares? Uh, I want to introduce someone special. You know, we have three hosts, three living hosts. And if you're watching via the YouTube... Cardinal Bevilacqua with us tonight. <laughs> Philadelphia's own. Wearing a red shawl. He's a father, is the VP of merch for Paper Keg. Um, he's got more hardcovers than most people have square feet in their home. Dale underscore, welcome back to the show. It's uh, great to be back on Paper Keg. Another week, more. Comics consumed into my brain. I am becoming a force to be reckoned with. And uh, I do fancy my Cardinal's robes for tonight's show. He made us kiss the ring a couple times before the show. I look you know like one I mean? of the Dale underscore Borgia. <laughs> and uh, that's it. That's it. It's up. Uh, how excited are you for the Paper Keg Meetup? In July, tell me, please, just briefly, how excited you are, Slim. I got to tell you, I am the the excitedness is mounting inside me, like uh, uh, the stallion who mounts the world. I'm mounting excitement like a stallion who mounts the world. You're mounting the stallion right now, who 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 was excited, yes, and. When that kind of chicanery goes on in the back alleys behind Barcade, Philadelphia, you're going to know it's probably me because there's not many other. Yeah. You know, you're going to know it's me. I'll um, probably have this red shawl on. That's for good measure. <laughs> Something for the can't fans, wait. right? I'm actually, I, I, I cannot wait. I mean, we've gotten some positive, great feedback. People are replying to this Facebook event. Right. And I'm seeing it firsthand this time. Yeah, you're now, this is a lot different than last year's meetup. You're on Facebook now. Um, still have no idea why you joined. I, re- I just despise it. I mean, I showed you a screenshot of a conversation happened on Facebook Boy. this week. Um, we'll save it. We'll save it offline. Can't get yeah. into it right now. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, these people might be listening. My friends. 
might be listening. Um, paranoid, your paranoid friends. Uh, we have another host, but the intro music has ended. <laughs> he looks like he's feeling slighted, so it's, he's got that no, you know, it's better off. face. Uh, it's better off we just don't go and do it. Um, Jonesy must be having a heck of a day because he's drinking <laughs> beer. Um, nobody knows why. I'm bringing I'm the sure first law of paper keg. I'm sure everything's fine at home. Jonesy's fine. Everybody <laughs> just cool out. <laughs> Don't at reply him or his wife. Just leave it alone. You at uh, reply me right now if you care. You're Is that a Facebook status that happens? Right? No, you don't. You don't even know what's happening. Just don't mention Facebook ever again, please. All right. Unpublished writer. By choice. First of all, let's just get it out there. You're a father. Mm-hmm. You are a Freemason, allegedly. Also true. Welcome to the show, Jonesy. Thank you so much for having me. And let me tell you, I will at least bring one Canadian to this uh, this event in July. Wow! Confirmed. Wow! Wow! Single Canadian coming in a little hot. If I can throw that, I'm going to back it down. I'm going to back it down. But I will tell you, uh, my favorite part of Catcher's poster was when the time was listed as 7 p.m. till whenever Dale's wife calls him to come home. Oh my. Uh, I had a chuckle, a little chuckle. That's sad. Yeah, Jonesy, we all this morning. Jonesy, now now Dale's going to be drinking Yingling shortly. Yeah, because of what kind of grief <laughs> you're going to put him for, in. Can't wait for the internet to punch me in the stomach. Make me <laughs> the feel card- <laughs> we can't lose the cardinal this early in the show. <laughs> That's right. Uh, speaking of show, one of the biggest shows we've ever done: Absolutely. Lone Wolf and Cub, Volume One, Assassins Road. We're going to do the whole show devoted to this collection legendary you know you shake a stick at a comic book nerd and they'll throw this book at you mm-hmm. you gotta read lone wolf and cub that's what they say they sound like george w bush <laughs> i don't know why but they do as Dark. they pull their as they pull their mini daisuke out of the spine of the book whoa and, uh, someone's been doing research he knows okay. i know he's checked out some kind of wiki on it we can only hope uh, so this whole this is a little different than our usual episode. Usually the book club starts around 30 minutes into the show. In this case, we're not even talking about any books that came out this week. Thank God. Or any guys. books that came out 20 years ago that we say we read this week. <laughs> um, we'll save it maybe Fourth for the wall. fireside. Fourth wall. Falling apart, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Wheels are coming off. Listen, we're actually really close to the two shows I'm most excited about in this I, I thought we could reveal history. the number of shows. Um, uh, you did it last time. <laughs> you got to follow it, my precedent? Is that what I just want to say it's coming. It's co- w- it is go- it's like Fat Elvis doing mm-hmm. his big comeback sh- special. It is on. Black Leather, the 68 comeback special. It's, I just want to say it's shows. Ne- never been done before in the history of comic podcasts. Fact. That's all we can say. You know, Slim's going to start out with Trouble, and then right into Guitar Man, and then maybe that's all right, Mama. Gosh, I'm, that's are. right. You I'm know. calling back the '68 comeback oh special. Gosh. That's right. Jensey has that on laser disc in his living room. You know he does. <laughs> and you can't. And also the the super special show that only Slim and I know about right now. Oh, that's going. That's coming too. 
I just want to uh, say someone's birthday is coming up, and we're going to celebrate in style. Oh boy. I cannot wait because it's usually better that I don't know about these things or I would make them terrible. Well, it's not so whatever you got planned. It's better that Gen Z doesn't know because if he does, he'll spoil it accidentally. He'll, he'll blab I, it out. Can I tell you my theory? Oh, God. I think uh, Mark Farrington's birthday is in July, and he's going to be a guest star on a future episode that you won't reveal to me. I think we should sprinkle your ideas throughout the rest of the show just to see what else you can come up with. But every 15 minutes, I'll come up with a new theory. Uh, What a show. Let's drink up before you get that. Yeah, drink up. God. God bless you. So refreshing and and, and influencing. What does your doctor say about this kind of beer drinking at 1030 at night? Is that on his uh, prescribed schedule? Listen, on the uh, checklist, it's check social drinker. Hmm. And seeing as I'm with my friends, hmm. Hmm. I meet that criteria. Hmm. We got a big show to get to. Yeah, why don't we even talk about my health right now? Oh, God. Agreed. Question I ask myself every week. <laughs> Almost 300 pages, Lone Wolf and Cub, Volume 1, Assassin's Road, I think is the official mm-hmm. title. You are correct. Um, black and White, Gorgeous, Dark Horse Comics. God bless him. Dale's uh, top two, I think, who, publishers. Who, by the way, did us the favor of republishing these and translating them. They were their only dark horse because they, you know, got the rights. This was these this was made in nineteen seventy, guys. Ooh, wow. In Japan. Amazing. Dale, Dale was just finishing fourth grade. <laughs> right. And you know, my uh the uh, you know, all the boys were in one classrooms and all the girls in yeah. the other classrooms and well, that's actually, how it was back then. Yeah, I apologize. You were actually probably finishing seminary, <laughs> getting your your vestments. I was. Now I'm trying. Do you have to... your stole on? Do you have your stole on? Dale was on one knee, and there was incense being swung in front of his face. We all, we've all been there. Now I'm trying to uh, replace the king's guard with my own musketeers uh, that all wear <laughs> the cardinal's cross. Are you referring to yourself as Cardinal Richelieu after the Three Musketeers (laughs) at this point? Is that what I'm hearing? We need to move on. D'Artagnan's father. All right. So Jonesy Loves Beer usually gives us a stellar synopsis of the book, and then we just Mm -hmm. dig in. Maybe we'll, we'll, you know, this this one's a little different because usually in our trades or huge book clubs, we do sections like fury max we did it in sections but this one's kind of all single issues so maybe we'll try to break it down into single issues after we're after we give our overall opinions but jonesy what's this book about all right so ito and his son daijaro are on the road the assassin's road if you will uh sometime in the past when daijaro was very little Uh, Ito was the Shogun's assassin. You know, he would be the one that carried out the Shogun's will. It was considered bad etiquette for the Shogun to directly strike at one of his daimo, which are feudal lords that exist in Japan. So he he had an office created, one of the three main elements of Japanese power, uh, and that was Ito. He would go from, you know... uh, province to province, I don't know if that's the right word, but he would travel around and carry out the death sentences of the Shogun. So a rival clan, the Yagyu clan, uh, conspire to remove him 
so they can place their own representative in that position. Uh, they are able to kill Ito's wife, but not before he slaughters the entire group sent to kill him. Uh, in a desperate move, he places a Dale. What was that short sword? What was that phrase you said? Daisuke, a daisuke, and a a ball, a child's play toy, and basically says, Daijiro, uh, you got to pick. If you pick the ball, it's all over." You pick the blade, we're going to roll together. So Daijiro picks the blade at a young age, not really understanding, but knowing that's his father's will. And then they set on as traveling ronin and assassins for hire. And with their ultimate goal, seeking revenge, the assassins rode against the Yagyu clan. And what we have here in the first volume are nine tales uh, akin to Usagi Ojimbo of their adventures... Uh, through the Assassin's Road as they take on these odd jobs and get closer to their ultimate end. And the ninth volume being the origin story, which I just told now. Uh, one of the most dynamic and enigmatic comics I've ever read. This is The Assassin's Road, Lone Wolf and Cup. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. Thank you. I'll take it. Cardinal, can you uh, grace us <laughs> with your brief opinions overall of the book? Yeah, it's. I mean, I was, I was completely stunned to my core when I when I fa- when I fathomed that this is a book from 1970, and just the black and white art from one man. Oh. <laughs> it's unbreaking my heart. <laughs> that unbreaking was a my heart. Music the the, the okay. 1970s smash hit Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. <laughs> um, one a little in fact one of Tony Braxton's favorite uh, graphic novels. Yeah, that's that's a good time. Without too. breaking stride, here we go right in the audio. Let's just clip that out. Um, <laughs> but I, so overall, you know, Ito, the, the story of Ito and his son is a, is a continuing thing, but the, the, the individual issues each having their own story that, ju- that just tells the badass ability and the bad ass that Ito is and his little son who is such a part of him Daijiro I, I don't I don't know I mean I, I don't know I don't want to start getting into too much because the you know this we're going to talk about the individual issues but the, the dynamic between him and his son who's not a big player but he's he's like one of the most important players like he he comes into play but he's not like interact he doesn't interact a lot he's kind of there with his head popping out of the cart most times or whatever but he the bond he has formed with his father is like a a third character between the two because you know there's this understanding he's like three years old I think in most of the stories except for the ninth story when he's younger He's like three, so I, my, you know, our son's Slim and I is three, 
So it's like they have mental faculties and, you know, they can do what they're told. But I don't know. There's like this understanding between the two. And he explains it. Like he explains this samurai bond between a father and son. And it's just, it was amazing how it's, that's like an unspoken character because he just, Daijiro moves when he's like, he's a weapon and he's a protector Mm -hmm. in his own right. I can't, I actually had to read it twice. I had to, I had to because Jonesy, when you said enigmatic, I actually, I missed almost every issue, a, a piece of every issue that confused the heck out of me. And I, I did enjoy it. I don't, I don't, I, I would classify it maybe as just very good. Um, but I, I had, a, I had a lot of, there's a few stories and we'll get into it as we move on, but I'm, it, I guess maybe I just doze off mentally when I read comics and I guess I couldn't do it in this book because mm-hmm. I, I don't know yeah. if maybe if it's in the translation or you miss one line or you get kind of bored with um, the explanations of why you're doing this job to, um, to is it Ito? I'm just going to call him Wolf. Yeah, Ito. Wolf. Um, Wolf. 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 I... I, I I don't think I've ever had to do that. The first half of the book, I was like, I don't even know if I like this. And it was because I was so confused by the the stories. And, and there's a lot of stuff that's, like, inferred. Or if you don't understand one panel, uh, you're oh, yeah. you're lost for that whole yeah, issue. And you need absolutely. to reread it. And I've never experienced that before in a comic book. Yeah, that happened with me in the first uh, one-off where... Uh, the evil overlord uh, sleeps with the evil overlord ass. And I'm like, why is Ito sleeping with that woman? And what did I miss? And I had to go back and start from the beginning. And uh, exactly the reason I described the book as enigmatic is because I don't know if it's meant for you to get it as much as for you to get the overall themes that the book is suggesting. I mean, there there are much plainer ways you could have told this story that they step around to tell something much more waxing and poetic. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. And I do think, I think I could tell, but I do think there's a lot lost in translation. I mean, they probably did their best, but there's words that, oh, yeah. you know, that the English language doesn't have for what they're describing. But the some of the slang liberties taken and stuff, it was very, mm-hmm. seemed a little more up to date. And, uh, yeah. but yeah, I think, I do think, but, so you had to kind of like use your imagination to figure out what was happening. I mean, it's a, visually, it's an absolute masterpiece. Like, oh, there's certainly. no, no bones about it. I mean, there are panels and stuff that I screenshotted the heck out of. Um, and, but to, so the first issue is his first job. And I was so confused by the the storytelling in that first issue that I thought the cub was the future lord of that castle. Like, he abducted him to protect him from being usurped and used in a, a manner unbecoming of what the, the other lord wanted. So for the first half of this book, I was like, man, he kidnapped that. He's still watching over that kid until he grows up, and then he can go back to that, that town. That that's how confused I was by it. I felt like an idiot. <laughs> I think <laughs> in short. <laughs> I think along with I think the translation along with a lot of 
legitimate Japanese terminology to describe it was families. Thick. It was yeah. like the descriptions of I need you to do this because it was it's like dense. Like the it's it it's a lot of text, but then there's a lot of words that you have no idea what they mean, and you have to just kind of like, all right, that's a word that I assume is like a mayor. Yeah, the because town. the con- the context isn't always there to extract mm-hmm. any sort of and definition of what they what it means. One note that I had was consider how easy Usagi is to read because right after a Japanese word, Stanzakai puts in brackets the meaning, mm-hmm. and you miss that. I mean, I tangibly missed it reading this because you know, there were uh, especially the description of his uh, his cavalry saber you know the sword he used was not a typical katana it was some special kind that was yeah. used to slaughter horses like they said that thing so many times like I had no idea what they were talking about and Usagi it would have been like cavalry sword like in brackets right after the word you would never have to reference it so, God, Stan Sakai, thank you so much for what you've done <laughs> in in translating uh, your comics. I'll tell you uh, what I listened to during the whole read. I mean, it goes that without, it goes without soundtrack. saying right now. Let's just let's just get a little bit of it right now. Mm. I mean, the whole soundtrack is amazing. Last Samurai, Hans Zimmer, get out of here! If you're not Hans Zimmer, you stink. Just Fact. give up. Fact. You're finished. The uh, So the first one is your first introduction to uh, Lone Wolf. Spectres in the Fog. Actually, this one is A Way of Life. <laughs> you try. Uh, that's, that's track two. So, so the f- close. The first one was... Uh, I'm trying to think of the, the plot of that first the f- one. The first one was kind of the worst one, if we can be all be fair. Be honest no, I with got me. that. I, being equitable, I would agree with you. The first one was definitely not the strongest story. He walked along and he walked through. Oh, that was the eighth guardsman, I think. No, yeah, no, like that city. my favorite was the eighth gate. Or well, no, there's gate. two. There's two different ones. There's the eight chicks, and then there's the eight dudes. Yeah, the so eight the, dudes with like the hats on. Oh uh, no, mine was the uh, was the eight chicks. That was probably my favorite. Um, yeah, the, the the first one was the eight dudes that were like waiting to kind of ambush him, and it was very. I think it was a very you know very introductory to you know Ito's skill, and and, and not he, much it, more. You're, you're right because he, it starts out he goes through all this work to evade capture from these uh, these I guess you could just say samurai, and they're wearing these awesome kind of Raiden head headdresses and kind of a Big Trouble Little China headdresses. And so he eventually gets captured. Amazing artwork. It's just stunning. Um, but he gets captured, him and his son, and he allows himself to be captured, essentially what it's revealed. But this was like the beginning stages of my main problem with the book was I understand the bond between the father and the son and and you eventually, at the end of the book, you see how that bond was eventually formed and the, the decision process that he forced his one-year-old son to make. <laughs> totally easy, right? Um, I had a bond. I know it's a comic book and everything, but I had a big problem with Lone Wolf putting his son in these positions. And maybe I'm just, I live in a dark world, but 
he put his one-year-old, two-year-old in the hands of strangers and in scenarios that like were was essentially trusting. Like in a lot of these issues, in this one, the first one, he just kind of lets him be captured. How do you know that these people aren't just going to slice off your toddler's head in a yeah, second? Aren't completely evil? Yeah. Now, can Can I tell you where I was with with my uh, suspension of disbelief? Because I absolutely get what you're saying, uh, being a father as well. But in my head, instead of Last Samurai, I had uh, like the 1970s Channel 42 Samurai movies Mm. in my head the whole time, where everything was purposely over the top. And, and when they get know, like stuck in the stomach, like a waterfall of right, blood and then like a out. huge fountain of blood comes out. Yeah, or you know, at the last minute, they develop a skill where they can throw fireballs with their swords. Like you know, like I didn't go in. Well, after the first book, because the first book threw me for a loop. But knowing that it would attempt to be the limit of uh, you know deniability with the supernatural than I knew where I was when I was reading this book. So, cause I had a big, big issue, especially after reading, uh, the scene where basically he throws his son into the river as bait. <laughs> so yeah. he can kill the one guy. And then, you know, there's that great panel where he walks his son out under his arm. Like one of the most artistically best pages in mm-hmm. the, uh, entire book. So absolutely. Uh, you know, the scene where he throws his son as so much bait to get this high-ranking official uh, so he can have the super awesome splash page of him walking out of the water with his toddler under one arm like a jug. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew then that this was not a book where I would have to have an awful feeling about this man's terrible parenting choices. Yeah. So that was kind of when the this as dear departed Mark would say the script was flipped uh, for me, and I was schwalt with the uh, correct idea about the book. Yeah, because when when he does that and when he explains it, like people question him. They're like, "Why are you being such a bad father?" Basically, that I mean, you know, I, it's not a, his exact translation from Japanese. That that would be probably disrespectful. But they're pro- they're basically asking him like. How can you be a bad father and put your son in, in these situations and you're an assassin? But it, I I wholeheartedly believe that he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't put his son through that if his son if he knew his son didn't have an understanding of what he was getting into because he's he's he can't wield a sword, he can't do anything but, you know, drown in a river for his old man. So that's what he would do because they're a team and Ito absolutely understands that relationship, and so does Daijoro. But you know beyond I mean? that, they present Ito to be this, you know, super intelligent, super combat skilled, over the top hero, and to the fact where you kind of think that everything has been calculated out to the last decimal, and he knows, you know, that if he has this one lady nurse his son yeah, in the yeah, middle yeah. of a feudal battle that he can use that as leverage to defeat the enemy, you know, 10 pages later. Well, and yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's, that's the comic book aspect of this hero. Exactly. Like, he, you know, real samurai wouldn't be able to think that far ahead, but 
you're you're just assuming that this assassin has that kind of data on the enemies he's facing, and he would be he's doing all that paperwork off panel. Obviously, he's doing well, the research. And what I what I think one of the smartest plays in the book is, you know, they have a device where uh, Ito won't take your job until kind of like the A team uh, won't take your mission unless you spill the beans from A to Z. So he's not going to just say, oh, here's my target. I'm going to go get him because he knows that, you know, 90% of the time they're going to want to silence the assassin as well. So he's got to hear your dirty laundry before he decides to take your job. And more often than not in this volume, uh, because of the hirer's employer's bad behavior, he often turns the table on them uh, before the book is ended. So there's kind of also that killer with a heart of gold aspect that you get mm. from this book. Except for the second to last issue, which I'll, save, I'll save for the end. The uh, well, what you just said, I think. Killer with a bone of gold. <laughs> <laughs> Except while some chick's getting hard hard, he just looks on. Good grief! Get out yeah. of here, Ito. That was the, hard um, to swallow. The third, the third um, issue um, from north to south, from east to west. I think that was my favorite little mini moment. Was where it's almost kind of convoluted for us to explain the scenario that they're in because it. The way they explain the book, it's like, you know, it feels like four pages. But through circumstances where he he saved the boy's life of the man that they wanted to kill because they wanted to prevent him from spilling the beans about some situation that the town got in. And he explained, uh, well, he, he didn't explain to them. He explained to them kind of in a proverb. But they eventually said, you know, it's to our benefit that this man is indebted to us. We have his son alive, so he wouldn't rat us out. He's on our side now, whereas they wanted this dude killed. I thought that was a great little switcheroo that um, that he pulled on that on the community. And then, although it kind of was undone almost a couple pages later, I think the leader of that clan that they were fighting against said that the guy died, or they they killed him anyway, which didn't make any sense to me. Do you think that was just a ruse by that guy? I think it was I, very enigmatic. Or he said he bit his own tongue and he died, which I guess makes sense because he didn't want to. He didn't want to talk. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, I, I was fuzzy, but yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he really died. Yeah, poor guy. I think the most clearly stated uh, description of uh, Ito's talent is probably the fifth book, uh, the School Zambato Zambato mm-hmm. story. Yeah. And that's, you know, the premise there is he's sent on a mission to kill a high-ranking clansman. And uh, to do that, Mm. to do that, he insults the guy the correct way. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but he he plays on the rules of uh, formality to get the guy to challenge him to a formal duel. And he's like, hey, you know, you're at war, so... Who's to say as soon as I win this duel, your foot soldiers aren't just going to slaughter me over a matter of honor? So he makes the guy give it to him in writing, basically saying, you know, if you know I win this duel and your men come after me, they dishonor you. They dishonor their dead lord by betraying his word. And using that, he kills him. 
He assassinates him and gets himself scot-free because he can't be touched by the uh, foot soldiers, the Ronin of this deceased lord and he can't be touched by the enemy because that would reveal their plot to assassinate this high ranking official and kind of try to take over the uh the territory they're in so that's i think that's a much better example of uh ito being ito than the previous where it's kind of like why didn't he go after the son and did he already know the father was deceased by the time he went after them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one was his best uh, one yet in the book of like Stratego. Like oh he, yeah, that he, was... he he. This was his out. You guys can't do anything to me now, and he just walks away. And they eventually try to do the same thing to him with the duel. But man, that was that was a great one. Yeah, it was so cool how he. I mean, that really showed his smarts. Like he he probably hadn't even planned that out in the beginning but boy if he didn't uh jump on the chance that's like when uh zach mars had the fake senior hall pass you know and then i started selling it to the freshmen to get to the pool up on the roof bayside high but there was never a moment where it backfired like on zach where he had the graduation rings and they turned their fingers purple well, yeah there's i mean there's no jack Ginny's <laughs> equivalent to gem diamond so Ooh, did uh, you guys work this out before the show, or are you just riffing right now? I can't even tell sometimes. We'll just leave it up to the people that are listening right now, you know, <laughs> out there in TV land. The, um, I'm I, so excited. That's all the, I know. The, the whole Bayside history. There's never a, a, a spot in this book where Ito isn't nine steps ahead of you. We're nine steps ahead of anyone within a 50-mile radius, <laughs> which is amazing. And I just, like, paging through, I kind of just didn't maybe even realize, but every issue ends with him just kind of going into the into the dust and into the darkness, and he just fades away. I thought all his exits were amazing, and I don't know if I just glossed, it glossed over me, but I didn't realize that there were, like, seven movies already about this, and I have a feeling that they're probably on, like, Hulu Plus, you know, Criterion Collection. I want to go watch them, yeah. because yeah. I hope that they're like that, um, movie that Jonesy referenced, you know, where like they they go next to each other and you don't know who got hit except until like you know a huge ketchup faucet blows up out of this guy's stomach and it just shoots out. Uh, like, that's what I want. Doesn't I'm get better. Is like until they to that scene where they just run at each other. Yeah, and somebody swipes somewhere and then they pause fifteen feet apart, think about their lives in a <laughs> montage, and, and then some kind half. of geyser. Just yeah. erupts out of somebody's abdomen. I mean, that's that. I mean, that's how imagine it happened in Samurai Japan. And there was a scene that happened. I mean, there's many scenes where you know they duel and they're just both standing there. But there was the one um, where the from north to south, from east to west, where he fights the leader of that gang, and his son is in the middle of them. And that guy, you know, there's four panels right when it happened, and then eventually you start to see that that guy's, you know. He was hit, and then he just croaks, and just a great four-panel sequence where the kid watches it all happen and then grins at the end because, yeah. you know, daddy won. But the, I think probably my favorite issue was the one after, Jones, that you referenced was, was um, Waiting for the Rains, where the woman was ill and she was waiting for her lover to come back, and yeah, that was oh, the man. man that he was sent to kill. Whew. Man. 
I mean that the the best part of that particular issue is where once again his uh, he's challenged, but we realize that Ito's the smartest man in the room. You know, the guy Hardem's like he's never going to come back here. You know, you learn through the conversation that not only is he a traitor, but he's like some secret special double ninja trained guy where he can the evade and double fight. ninja status. <laughs> I mean, once you get double ninja, I mean, it's just all over. It's yeah. like getting all the merit badges. Yeah. Uh, but Ito's like, yo, just uh, chill. Like, he loves this girl. She's sickly. But he, what's a, but know. what's amazing? He never says that. He doesn't like explain himself. No, he just he treats just, the other guy just, like a total a hole. He's yeah. like, no, yeah, I got it. Yeah, uh huh. And you're telling me why? But he 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 was almost like offended that the other guy couldn't figure it out for himself because he's like, so even I forget how the situation was, but he's like, even after he was losing, he stuck around to kind of be with her for a while. Like everything he said proved that he was in love with this girl, but the other guy couldn't see it and he was mm-hmm. he's he was like not st- stooping so low as to say the words to the man because he was obviously not going to believe it anyway yeah that I, I that was like the first possible hint and i don't know how true it was but the first hint of compassion that he had because as soon as the rains came he could have been waiting for this lover to like in her room and then just like sliced his head off. But there was a good, you know, few pages where the lover came back to this, you know, near death woman and they said their goodbyes because he said he would come back oh, yeah. um, when the rains came or whatever the phrase was that this man used. So Ito heard that and he knew to be there and wait for the rain because that's when the guy would come back. So they shared a tender moment and then, he, then she passes. Yeah, she she croaks, bites the hard one and then he walks out, you know, in tears, and then that's when they have the duel, and he and Ito was just waiting out there for them. I thought that was an amazing, silent gesture. Like he allowed them to have that moment, and, and then it, you know, in no words, he said, "Okay, now it's time for for us to do business." I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's actually really poignant that he was he gave them the time, and then she passed. I mean, he probably would have gave her gave him more time if he had to, but she passed away. You know, I'm an emotional but guy. The, I see these things. You do, and you, you it's it's signposts on the road. I of love life. living yeah. through your eyes every once in a while because you interpret the way you do. Yeah. But then the pages that followed, like the, it's just silence with the duel in the rain. The first half page when they're just lined up, you know, they're standing face to face to each other, like thirty feet apart, uh, in front of that Japanese hut with the rain coming down. Oh mm. my god. Mm. Well, also was a, another great panel was when it starts to rain, you see that guy swimming down like through the river, and then it's, and like you don't you're not even told this is the guy. It's just this gorgeous two pages of the rain coming down with this guy essentially on like bamboo sticks in this river, and then he just like turns and it's almost like okay, it's time, it's time for me to go see her. Just a I, definitely my favorite issue of the whole thing. And then next issue, eight naked ladies for the first seven pages. You know, that's not the reason that this is my favorite section. Are you sure? Uh, well, uh, but I did love, uh, especially, uh, you know, I'm just playing the card out of your hand there, Slim. 
the trick of Ito in this book. So he gets tricked, of course. You know, he's lured by 250 I don't know, dollars, I forget what they're called. Uh, like half fee. They're like, hey. Double you know, ninja dollars. Yeah, double <laughs> ninja coins. Uh, yeah, you only had half the jackpot, Ito. But, you know, our town is wrecked, but it's okay. We have these female champions. Uh, but jokes on you, we're actually after the bounty on your head. So you get the sense in the book that the tables have been turned on Ito. But, uh, you know, in a couple panels before, he kind of has to traverse this uh, bridge that is not... It's, like, very narrow and easy to get attacked on. So he comments to Daijiro that, you know, we have to take special care and, you know, know this area, this territory. So if we're ever attacked, we'll know what to do. And you're like, why is why are they taking the time out to tell us that? And then the nine gates are totally different section of the story, except that you know, Ito is forced to flee from the the eight assassins until the master, the the man of the group, corners him on the bridge, and that's when it finally clicks in the place that this is why Ito you know, did his due diligence because he needed it at the end to defeat his enemy. And I thought this issue was very proverbial in that sense. Like, I got a definite sense of Usagi Yojimbo, you know, telling a logical tale. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you you know, this is a wise part of your life uh, that if you know the ground you fight on, you'll always be successful. And I just dug it. Like, it, it felt very... Japanese legend-ish and uh, it just clicked for some reason I enjoyed it it's like the it's like you could picture Usagi explaining this to his rhino partner and the rhino right. partner would be like oh Genzuke. Usagi you let's idiot drink. let's go stop it, it. Up, that doesn't mean anything get that little lizard guy with you and, and the and, go ahead his, his some of the some of the best like uh, bonding with his son happened in this episode in this issue too where he's uh He's like, Dodger, uh, hold on, and, but don't move. Don't wiggle too much. And, and he's the little kid is so cute. He just had a little tuft of hair in the back and some bangs. And <laughs> he's like clinging on to his dad, his awesome samurai dad. And this issue, uh, they do like super bond because he kind of saves his life at one point. He throws that coin to one of the women as she's ready to pounce on him. Oh, yeah. And that was the first time you really see him take an active role in the, in the battle. And the time he peed on that man's head. Which know, was the... key in the whole victory. Yeah, that was a huge moment. <laughs> so, Slim, the next book is your favorite. But but before... I, th- oh, this sorry. One felt, this one felt very anime-ish. Like, I, I was big into anime back in the day for a couple of years, and I fizzled out. But, like, the eight, like, the eight warriors he had to get through, it just felt very, like like anime was mined from this story mm-hmm. and stories like it obviously but this felt most like a Japanese anime episode of some kind like well, uh, yeah plus there was a lot of that anime action in it you know a lot of hyper movement where they're in mid stride and there's like you mm-hmm. don't see anything in the background you just see them moving at warp speed and that was it was all gorgeous everything about it yeah. was gorgeous and that could have been because the uh, you know the page restraints I mean he had to mow through eight different Guardian, you know, gates 
at, at different times, not just eight at once on him in, in two panels, but... Uh, but it was. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's it's just like one page or a half a pa- half a page devoted to each one. So there was like very uh, abrupt movements of like you know sword sword out her cut in half or whatever mm-hmm. the double ninja dollar thrown in her face by Tajirel. Secret double ninja training. You guys will never understand. Wings to the bird, fangs to the beast. The second to last issue. Mm, my favorite uh, too. <laughs> he, of course, this story. A, there's like a episode about it. Stop it. He enters this <laughs> town, which has been taken over by, you know, the absolute lowest of the low samurai gang. You know, they're raping, hard arring, yeah. pillaging, murdering this town. Meanwhile, it, it reminds me when uh, Zach Morris was pledging to be a Rigma, and uh, he betrayed all of his friends, and Miss Bliss had to set him straight. Right. I remember, and, and conversely, in terms of just uncomfortability, it was like that episode where he kisses Lisa in front of a Screech. And yeah, just, it's a fashion I show. That. I don't want to see that, and you should, you should be a better person. Beat. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't do that to a friend. So he enters this town. Uh, it's, it's like a hot... It's like a sauna. It's like the only sauna in town, essentially, it's a, yeah, it's if you a, want to think about it that way. It's a town built on hot springs. So think of like all the buildings having vents directly from the hot springs, yeah. heating, natural heating. But the place just reeks of death. He goes there. He's wheeling the kid around, and they're getting, uh, you know, right off the bat. It's like the, it's like the crew in Mad Max. You know, they're riding around in motorcycles looking for gasoline. <laughs> They're doing the worst things you can think of. And he walks in, and these two dudes encounter him. You just want to just, like, just kill these two dudes right away, please. And, but come running is this woman who's, you know, topless, battered, and she's like, oh, thank God. Thank God. Help me, please. And he doesn't do anything. He just looks. And then she proceeds to just get hard, hard, strangled, dies. The father of this woman comes out. No, please don't. He gets strangled by this weapon, dies, and Ito's just standing there. And I was like, what are you doing? I've suspended belief just enough. You couldn't just murder everybody in this town in <laughs> seconds to Previously, prevent her he, from being murdered. He slaughters eight hard-bitten trained warriors with not breaking a sweat. Yeah. But for drunk cronies, he doesn't want to change. But them. but the town is infested with cronies. He, I don't even care. He, was, he, I know. he kills you're them right. all anyway. I know you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. You're. I had a hard time with that as well. Like the only thing I could think, and this, believe me, this is the last straw. I'm like, he must be weeping for the girl on the inside, but he's got to think about his son and him, and the actually survivability that's the and and that's i know that that's that's i know that's the reason i know that is like the only reason why he did that but from what i've seen in seven issues previous it was hard to get the f out of here with that he could have thrown some kind of blade in the throat of the guy that was arring her and strangling her to (laughs) death and then immediately murdered everybody game over problem solved but he waited and then he goes to the the sauna and there's a there's this one dude in the town that they have an idea that this guy's like tough as nails, uh, Ito, but they don't act on it. They let him do whatever he wants, and he goes into the room with the hot 
uh, Springs, and there's a prostitute there, and they the 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 the, the tough guy, the in heart the, of gold, <laughs> the guy in the gang that wants to murder Ito is like, you know, come on, fight me, I can show you I'm better than you, and then the prostitute's like, lay off. And there's just like this group of people hanging out in the sauna. You don't know why. You just they're kind of just like they can't leave because no one can leave because the the crew will think they'll they'll spread word that they're living in this town. So everyone lives in fear in this town. And they the the guy says, you know, come on, fight me. And then she's like, no. Oh yeah, it was like, why don't you have sex with him right here in front of everybody? <laughs> Which is totally plausible. And then uh, she's bags. like, no, they're I'm not gonna bags. have sex with him. And then she's like, all right, I'll just, and he's like, I'll just kill you. And then Ito stands up. He's like, no, I'll have sex with her. Well, he doesn't say that. But, <laughs> what a sacrifice. Um, so uh, the son is, you know, adorably asleep at this time. And yeah, there's like four, there's four pages of them just like going at it, you know, gracefully, well done, gorgeous. Gracefully. And you can tell even after what she's had run through her, he is delivering the goods. Absolutely, you can tell as only <laughs> Ito can. Exactly, he's a lone, he's a lone wolf and a hunger. <laughs> uh, the then they 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 hang out again. This woman takes them to the actual springs, and they're you know they're hanging out. She's making nice with the son, adorable, <laughs> and they share a tender moment. And then eventually he goes to leave and then that's when the gang's like okay you guys can leave but we have to kill these people and then that's when he opens hell and there was no moment like I already said what I felt about this issue but there was no moment where like oh he had to do this before he killed everybody Right. if there was something like that that would have been I'm not going to say I would have been fine with him allowing this woman (laughs) to be arred and murdered but I just this issue just really rubbed me the wrong way but it was your favorite no, it wasn't. Absolutely it wasn't. Not. Yeah, it, you favorite. know, it's kind of like that time that, uh, you know, everybody was in Lisa's car and it was in a wreck and they, you know, Le- they let Lisa believe she was the driver, but it was really Zach who was drunk. You know? Jonesy, the time has passed. God! <laughs> Tried. <laughs> All right, so enough negativity. Uh, the final issue. Man, those pages are just really gorgeous. They when are. They, when they make Whoopi. Uh, the final issue is like a prequel. It shows you know, why he's on the run, and it shows him and his son. He get, he, he makes his son have, you know, he chooses. He, chooses, he makes him choose this one-year-old boy between a life of death or a life of, you know, I guess nothing because he would have killed him if he chose yeah. the ball. He makes him choose between a, you know, kind of a soccer ball and a sword. And the boy chooses the sword. So that's what sets them off on the on their life. But um, this, inter- this issue is interesting because I don't know how samurai hair works. Um, but I guess they pull, they're bald. They shave the top of their head and then pull the hair back. And then when they let it go loose, it looks like he just has a head of hair. I have no idea. Well, yeah, let's I get think- the intern on it. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's when it's unkempt. It's just. It could look like he has hair, mm. but I didn't mean to derail there. But this issue, you see more of of his personality in this issue. Like you see him kind of like maniacally chuckling 
several times yeah, where he's weird. just like so confident that he like laughs before he's about to murder you. It didn't. It really didn't. Because you, you're you, this. It's almost like the man with no name for the majority of this book. He barely speaks, and when he speaks, it's it's necessary, and you, there's a reason for it. But in this one, there's just like many scenes where like he's about to be assaulted by Tempe. He's like, ha, 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 bring it on, I'm ready, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? I did, however, like uh, the final duel. The kind of what I assume sets up the next several volumes where you kind of learn that uh, Yagyu or whatever his name is, the head of the clan or the temporary head of the clan. I'm, I'm again, not sure how that infrastructure works, but he basically says, even though we're going to kill this man and his family, he's still the Shogun's assassin. So we're going to give him the honor of fighting to the death. And it's kind of like that classic, like, stoic Japanese safe face storytelling that, uh, once again, I enjoyed in Usagi. But I really like now how this was the pivotal moment in his life, but they were still going to do it the right way. Even though there were a bunch of thugs, they were still going to honor the old ways. And that duel in the reeds is another one of those those examples of those awesome, beautifully paneled fight scenes where, you know, they kind of stand apart from each other and kind of size each other up and only one strike matters and it's the one strike that is really going to determine Ito's path in this volume and also his ultimate revenge on Yagyu. You kind of get what I assume is the rogues gallery of all the top generals that he's going to go after, you know, when it, to get his ultimate revenge. And I really like that. And that kind of once, you know, begs me to read the next volume because I want to mm-hmm. find out how he does it. So it's masterful, a masterful storytelling. And the fact that you are telling the origin in the last story, but you're also giving the best cliffhanger. I don't know if I'm explaining that yeah. the right way, but no, yeah, I think so. It's like, oh, this is how this whole story happened because there's hints sprinkled through the first date that uh, Ito was something more than just an assassin with a kid. There's something that happened. Now he's, he's generally uh, feared among the populace, so mm-hmm. he's got to have some kind of reputation. So, all right, so here's why he's such a bad A, and here's why you want to read volume two, and I really liked it. When I was um, I was writing the show announcement, I found um, it was a website that gave a review. I was looking for images or <clears throat> a blurb, and it was like a more in-depth synopsis of the book. And then I couldn't find it. I, I X'd out of it, and then I couldn't find it again. But it basically described how Ito, you know, has chosen to walk the road of Buddha hell, like he's on his way to hell. Uh, not literally, but he's you know he's choosing to sacrifice a lot and take on this 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 image of being a disgraced. But you know, there's got to be a really good reason for it. Hmm. I don't know. It's really powerful stuff, and I'm telling, I'm killing it. <laughs> the. Uh... I didn't mention it, but I should have. The book starts out with 
you know, the two of them walking by a child playing with a small ball and that rekindles this flashback. And it also ends with, you know, that, that view, which I, I totally forgot, but it was a very well-played flashback issue as to why we would flash back to that. I thought it was great. Yeah, the ball-bouncing kind of intro-outro of mm-hmm. the story I thought was pretty great. Like, you could definitely picture cinematically him uh, pushing Dijero through a small town and then the, you know, smash cut of ball-bouncing in the village to ball-bouncing in the house where he's going to make him make the choice. And, uh, you know, for 1970 and to be so cinematic... Like it's not a you know it's not a big jump to think why this was a movie series. Smash cut to throwing his son into a fire to lure out his next victim. <laughs> I wonder. If Smash cut a... to the child smiling as he roasts on a log because he's helping dad. I wonder if there's uh, like in the movies there's like he throws a paper kid made of straw. You know, just <laughs> it's like a movie prop that you're supposed to think it's the son. You know, and it, and it yeah, it's like an obvious dummy. It's like when the <laughs> yeah. in South Park where they throw the pig corpse off the top of the building. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I definitely enjoyed the book. I, I voiced my my hiccups about the storytelling, but I mean, it's a it's amazing. It's an amazing work. Yeah, I, like I said, I just, I mean, I don't I, old comics. I haven't read a lot of probably the oldest that I've read is probably when we read Commandy, which mm. was in the was that in the sixties, and you compare like Commandy to this. Commandy was awesome in its own right, but the storytelling in this, you you know, I just you don't picture I don't picture comic books at the time telling sto- storytelling. This is like up to date storytelling. Yeah, you know, with its own quirks from the '70s and the translation and all that. But this is like when I rediscovered comics and Bendis was writing and stuff like that. That's like this, and the and more the independent stuff that the masterpieces we read. Like this has that level of storytelling, and it's I'm completely impressed with the fact that it was from 1970. I uh, I wondered while reading this if uh, Tarantino, if this was a big influence for him in Kill Bill, because I thought. A lot of the storytelling was mm-hmm. very similar, and the fact that you have a a hero that can do everything against a honorable foe, you know, and the big fights, like uh, specifically Kill Bill Volume One, where she goes into the you know whatever that restaurant is, and she's having the stoic fight with uh, Lucy Liu in the snow, where they're just doing running passes at each other. I oh, wondered right, if Tarantino yeah. had. Uh, <laughs> had read this and maybe it was, you know, part of his inspiration. This this well, would be great for a movie too, because all the monologues of them explaining why they need this job done would well, just that, be like ripe. Well that's the movie series that's at the end of Kill Bill Two. Shogun Assassin is the movie playing when the little baby when the kid is going to sleep at night. Mm. Oh, Kill Bill Two, yeah. Kill Bill Two aficionado over here. So Shogun Assassin the movie series based off of this. Whoa. Yeah. Did, did, did you, you jump into my head, Dale underscore A, and just, just have that factoid ready? See? I, I, I tried to get it out earlier, but I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't card- get in the double dutch. The Cardinal knows. <laughs> you know, he knows. He took confession from Tarantino about this very subject. I took my robe off, though, because my armpits are sweating so fierce down here. So 
Now I'm like, but cold. you have a red shirt on, so kind of, you know, maybe not a lot <laughs> of people notice. Yeah, with a stretched out, gorgeous neck. Look at me and my sleepwear, everyone. <laughs> uh, Lone Wolf and Cub, Volume One. This is a book I can see us doing. Um, oh yeah, sprinkled in the future. I mean, there's tw- uh, 28 volumes. We could start up a whole different podcast, Lone Wolf and Cub, uh, Cubcast. Yeah. If so anybody else starts that, you're dead. Not a bad idea when I think None. about it, but um, there you have it. Great stuff. Certainly. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's going to read them to, to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. If you want to shoot us a letter, you go right ahead. First letter comes from a friend of the show, Matt Moore, who, this is public knowledge on Twitter, he has confirmed that he will be attending Paperkeg Mega Meetup Volume 3, Barcade Philadelphia. We are pretty ecstatic that Matt Moore will be joining us. And uh, his letter is as follows. Nice work, lads. Digging the new logo, the new attitude, and the same old team. Don't ever change the latter. Enjoyed the focus on Miller's Sin City. His work is often ignored of late, given his political leanings and the eternal focus on the Dark Knight Genesis he birthed. Some of him, some of his material on the old Daredevil title was so f- was flat out so good that some people just said, F it, I cannot match this. I quit. Or at least some people should have. In light of the new Iron Fist series from Marvel, along with Ghost Rider, I'm wondering if it's time for a retooled Heroes for Hire to augment that lineup, including Daredevil, as we ready for the big push from Marvel Studios to Netflix of its street heroes. Mayhaps we start seeing even more synergy between the efforts of the big and small screens with the printed page, no? Thanks for the time and for the effort that goes into the weekly malarial cesspool that you three navigate with ease. If Jonesy gets any any paler, get him to the ER stat. What you can't see is my blood transfusion that's constantly going on in the background. Looking forward to the next episode and to July 19th. Yours in Josh Fialkoff, Matt. What's his uh, Twitter name? Is like Gorilla Scribe? Yeah, at Gorilla Scribe, like Gorilla, Gorilla Warfare. Warfare. Hmm. Uh, yeah, he's. I think with the right creative team, a Heroes for Hire book would kill. I'm sorry, but like somebody, you'd have to get somebody kooky. Not you're not getting any of the you know the mark the mark Marvel architects, the Marketechs, or Warren Ellis, or something like that. I'm talking or even the Snarkitechs. Yeah, I'm talking like the, I don't know the, I don't know like for example he's he's this Ghost Rider or Iron Fist like Ghost I love the new Ghost Rider title and I'm thinking like I'm not picturing maybe Trad Moore specifically to do like an art for Heroes for Hire but something like that somebody could nail it with the with the success of Hawkeye and Daredevil as being you know quirky fringe kind of books. I think with a right team, it might be like a She-Hulk type book. I'm not saying it's going to be like block. It wouldn't be blockbuster, um, you know, Avengers, but it would be like a quirk title that could be amazing. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. And just reading this letter, like immediately I sprang to like the Marvel Knights lineup where that would kind of be the place, the home for Heroes for Hire. But you're right. If they focused and made it totally quirky, totally Hawkeye, totally offbeat, I think that might be the only way you're going to have a big success with Heroes for Hire because I still find it hard to believe that Power Man, Iron Fist, Misty Knight, and Colleen Wing are this big foursome that Marvel is just selling issues like hotcakes. Luke Cage Cold is like cakes. in every Marvel book out right now. He's that's like, the, he's like the new fetish. Wolverine. Is he? Oh, Luke, you can't throw a shoe without hitting a little Luke Cage comic book appearance. Him and that wife of his with that kid. I, you're grief. Ref- you're referencing Bendis from four years ago. Good. Avengers <laughs> grief. Isn't he's he stuck in the original sin? Isn't he in original sin? Oh, if you, oh, I don't know. I think I the baby so shot possible. the watcher. Oh, my gosh. Uh, our next letter is entitled Lone Wolf Coming and Cub. Uh, let me just say that I started reading these volumes after Christmas, and I lost a lot of sleep staying up late to read them. That's all. Jim Lynn for Pope. Jim, oh, very poignant, enigmatic letter. I wonder if you've read uh, all 28 volumes. That oh, year. man. That is some stamina. That is some staying power. That's Bex Gordo level reading. I wonder what Bex is doing right now. Probably sitting in an armchair, petting a white cat, plotting your be, demise, Dale. She could be dead. Bex Gordo, friend of the show. Buying comic book t-shirts on the web while drinking. All of Invincible <laughs> in, I think, the course of two days. Two days it's yeah. never been done before. And then she, before that, the month before that, she read all of Walking Dead. She, time. She that stole time. the Watcher's eye. She killed the Watcher and stole his <laughs> eye to read, to consume that much. I don't think anyone has ever read that much Robert Kirkman in the span of 60 days. Oh, my God. That's almost 300 comics written by Robert Bobby Kirkman. <laughs> Bobby, K. Bobby K, his friends call him. We call him. That's got to skew your view of the world. I tell you that much. She she should do a podcast on uh, Robert Kirkman. Probably sends your view skybound. Oh my gosh! <laughs> He's back, folks. He's back. He's back. His fusion is done. His uh, his kidney machines replacing and cleaning his blood as he speaks yeah, to I'm us. I'm easy. I got Oneg blood. That's a medical fact, and I can just take whatever. Or Jones, give it. I can't remember which. You're like the rich uh, billionaire in contact. You, your <laughs> health is so deteriorating that you're in space in zero gravity to I extend need, your life. I need Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey to find an alien solution to my dying kidneys. There is and none. I'll pay top dollar. There is none. I'll install a secret launch installation off the coast of Australia if I have to. It was uh, Japan. Oh, I was so close. I haven't seen Contact in years. That was a pretty great callback. I just, I just rewatched it uh, a couple months ago. It is still good amazing. One of the very first DVDs I ever owned. I'll tell you what I just made contact with. The wind column. Because <laughs> this episode was futilely dymo dying incredible. What a show. Great. I agree with all of that. One of our one of our best book clubs ever, I think. Fantastic. Yeah, I think uh, I think we brought it. I think the creative team that I can't remember behind Lone Wolf and Cub brought it. I think our letter writers brought it. Kazow, 
Koiki and Goseki Kojima is who you're referencing. The late Kojima. No hardcovers out. Not that really? you're read- you know, right? readily available. There's mm-hmm. a lot of soft covers, a lot of like digest size soft covers. You don't you can't you wouldn't even wipe your rear end with a digest size soft cover. It's... Does the word digest make you vomit? Be honest right now. Makes me <laughs> just say it. Flacido Polanco. Uh, makes, me, makes me invert and sup, upside myself. <laughs> Lone wolf and no chub. <laughs> that was we'll the see, one. We'll see everybody next week. All right, guys. He couldn't hold his bladder in for 60 full minutes. Had to leave. Uh, just left. He just left the fireside. We should just we should do a whole fireside and just not have him in it. Just out of spite. I see shadows. Oh, no, here he is. I see Damn his it. Ultra white t shirt. Everybody, turn this back. It's all right. It's tough. Did you guys just say what the special episode was? Why I had to uh, step up one second? Whoops. Now the whole now world to, knows. I hope you don't uh, clip the audio out for the episode. Chenzi's already on the attack. He's, he steps out for three <laughs> seconds and he goes on the offensive. <laughs> so what did you guys read this week? I read zero books. I read... Um, I'm not completely caught up. I'm, I'm still too behind, but I read Uncanny X-Men 19 point now and 20. It's really good. Really? Okay. That's all I've read. So yeah. That's before... Uh, I read those not realizing that this is going to be a book club episode, and then I opened up Lone Wolf and Cub, and I saw the page count, and I'm like, I probably shouldn't even read those two issues. I <laughs> just started reading these imme- this immediately. You just started weeping right away when you saw that page count? Uh, I was like, I'm never going to finish. Never finishing. i tell you what I two weeks behind all but I really want to read is Astro City 13 oh boy that cover was that cover was great it like didn't, doesn't match the rest of the the covers but it's like that's the Marvel Knights version of the latest batch of Marvel Knights right was that Marvel Knights with the kooky X-Men and yeah that was I really like that that little run that, they did the cover that cover of Astro City reminded me of that hmm. <clears throat> Hmm. Astro City. Hmm. Amazing. I'm looking at our book club schedule uh, right now, and I kind of want to pull a switcheroo. Uh-oh. Save it to group text. we got to save it for offline talk. You know, can't spoil it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Not going to do it. Looking forward to our big couple of shows. 
I think we're going to see a side of somebody that we don't get to see very often. Of Dale? Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. And that side is chagrin. Especially, especially since I haven't read them all yet. So. <laughs> you better get started, bro. Uh, page count. I mean, page count, let's just say it's high. Let's just say double, like near double Lone Wolf. I don't want to say astronomical. But it'll be a challenge to at least it's two handled, people in this. Boys, it's handled. It's handled. <laughs> Don't this. What hardcovers did you buy this week? Break it down. I just want to know the number. Is it double digits? I'm going to guess. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. Four. You're too venomous right now. Too, it <laughs> too venomous. <laughs> no, yeah, it was four. Oh, yes. I knew it. You were counting my tweets, so you win. <laughs> Jonesy watches those tweets like a hawk. I just, I just scroll down my favorites. And well, I blame know. blame two on you. I bought the first two Invincible hardcovers because you and Don Garvey mm. over on Echorift started talking that thing up. I was like, I don't even care. I probably own them all in Comicsology. I bought the hardcovers. I couldn't, and I'll probably just still read them in Comicsology. <laughs> but I needed them right away. I needed them. <laughs> Because you sweet-talked... I tried not to. That world. They're just so good. I mean, those first 60 issues of Invincible, God, belong in a museum, are so good. I'm still waiting for the Indiana Jones Echo Rift appearance. I don't know why that wasn't a a double Whopper with Cheese episode. Yeah? That's actually season three. Season three, three, double Whoppers with Cheese. Okay, I'm taking you to the bank on that one. <laughs> I was told there was some kind of release form where I had to commit that I was not leaving Paper Keg to do Agarift episodes. When's the next, uh, when can I expect the next BJ? Your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> no. Christmas, uh, your birthday? <laughs> Valentine's Day. Day? Next Father's Day, you try? Inappropriate. Um, <laughs> Word book on the street jug. is I'm talking about. Be... I'm talking about book yes. jug, the podcast that you cats do, where you talk about an actual book, not a comic book. I word on the street uh, life spoilers. We will be recording book jug immediately after we hang up tonight on this paper keg mm. tonight. Go- I'll I'll gauge my sanity to see if I can edit it tonight too. I might be able what? to. I might be not happening. To. I mean, I'm going to throw, throw it out here right now. I don't see it. I don't see it in your eyes. You guys, you guys are big <laughs> peas, you know that? Because now you're testing me. You're going to make me. I feel the breath on your face. You, you tell Lara Croft behind you or in front of you, wherever you are in that basement, that she can wait until tomorrow because business has to happen. I mean, I've only played for 10 minutes, but her if they continue to show... Uh, you failing as a gr- as a awful death scene with Lara Croft dying by being c- her face crushed by a boulder or something. I mean, Gosh. my word. That sounds violent. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Sounds right. very violent, and I don't know how I feel about it. The very Hills Have Eyes-ish so far. Oh. And that is not a good Ooh. movie. Ooh. Jones, it's one of, as in Jonesy's top ten. Hills Have Eyes. Jonesy, I don't even know what that means. Evans. Why do the hills explain have yourself? Eyes? Explain yourself right now. Why is that in your top ten? God, that's I, I've never seen that film. I couldn't oh, stomach no. it. 
Lion. Why do you have to lie? What is the premise? I just help me. That's all I'm asking. Help me. I would dare you to watch it. I would dare you to watch The Hills Have Eyes. Is it really that bad? I, what is it's the awful. premise? Can I just hear the premise before <laughs> I watch awful. the okay. movie? You, uh, he's going to uh, strangle uh, his wife I, in a minute <laughs> if he doesn't hear the premise in 30 seconds. The Give premise the is, uh, you know, family, wholesome, whatever. Okay. All right. Uh, camping, end up in the middle of a desert near old, like, nuclear test facility. Uh, residents of this fake nuclear test town have become mutant incestuous mutants cannibals and they take this family for a ride let me tell you when they save nothing for the imagination it is all on screen and it is terrible there's a a deleted there's a deleted scene where Ito just stands there watching and he doesn't do anything (laughs) stoically but he does that thing where he flicks his katana up with one thumb. Mm-hmm. That could be a new like meme, just Photoshop Ito <laughs> standing, watching Looking Carnage away. happen. Oh my god, Jordan. With so his I'm... one hand on the uh, on uh, Daijiro's cart. Yeah. I might have to flex my gimp skills to see if I could just <laughs> chop Eddie's his a... head you know, onto like... You know, a scene in Saw or something where some guy's <laughs> head is getting crushed and Ito is just in the background watching, doing nothing. <laughs> uh, or where that, that college uh, police officer was spraying mace in the kids' faces. He's in the background just watching. <laughs> or even like mundane stuff like Black Friday tramples. <laughs> <laughs> Ito does nothing. <laughs> <laughs>